Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your child's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy, leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. Just tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android, and it's free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. The working experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on Stand the- clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. moving his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Working Experience Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Maddie Kay. And John, welcome to this episode of the Working Experience. What are we going to talk about today, Matt? Uh, the economy's booming, but young workers are miserable. What's wrong with these people? Hang up the cleats. You know, you're 22 years old. You've been working for a couple of months. That's way too long. I say retire. Um, shouldn't these people just be lucky they have a job? I mean, shouldn't that be a, a yeah, of- yeah? You, you certainly could look at it. I mean, look, as with all in life, everything in life, it's all perspective, right? So if you were, um, you know, you're in a, a depressed part of the country or the world, and you don't have enough food to eat, there are no job prospects. Then it's really hard to hear someone whining about making thirty-five thousand dollars a year which would put you roughly in the top 1% of the world. So we've, we've got we to contextualize this conversation. Well, it says these should be good times for American workers. This is uh, an article from Barron's Magazine, and this is written by Ran Zilka, uh, who also wrote a book about, um, a little plug for Ran, uh, he wrote a book about biking across the United States. Um. So, he says these should be good times for American workers. The U.S. is nearly 10 years into one of the longest economic expansions in history. Unemployment is the lowest it's been in almost half a century. Wages are beginning to rise, and employees have more job choices 
than they've had in years. <gasps> but hold on, hold on. The mood of employees is far from happy. In fact, the mental, the mental well-being, that must be a new one in the lexicon of employment. The mental well-being of employees hit a five-year low in 2018. That's what we found when we did a retrospective analysis of data from our digital mental health and well-being platform. Oh, my goodness. Well, oh my goodness. you know, I would, I would advise the youth to listen to this podcast, but I think that would even further their depression. It, it would be a spiral <laughs> yeah. effect. Yeah, it would... Uh... It would be a, uh, a problem. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, what's happened is that, oh, unfortunately, I can't read the rest of this article. What is up? You want me to subscribe or something? I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> are you crazy? Yeah. Bite your tongue. Can you read the whole article? Uh, yeah, I can read the whole article. I don't know why I can't do this anymore. Um, well, in any event, uh, so I guess you'll have to hit, I did look at this article yesterday, but, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's sort of, I, I hesitate to throw a lot of jut. No, I don't hesitate to throw judgment on people. I do it all the time. Uh, spoiled co- would probably come to a lot of people's mind from like probably an older generation. Like you've got a job, your wages are on the rise. What's your problem? Like, oh yeah, deal? my my grandfather or uh, father's generation would just smack you upside the head. Yeah, like you went to work, and um, you know you were. I mean, I guess you shouldn't see yourself as lucky to have a job. I mean, if you have the skill set and you perform the required tasks, you are certainly entitled to a compensation for that. But um, it seems that more and more with the millennial generation and Generation Z that employers need to be uh, much more conscious. Conscience? Con- Am I saying the right word? No, uh, you're not. What, they what they got to be uh, much more conscious, right? Conscious. Is that what you said? Conscious, yeah. yeah. Uh, or aware and responsive to the mental health needs of their employees, which, uh, I mean, I hate to sound like an old man. I mean, I'm 45, but like... I don't know. This was never part of the vocabulary. Uh, certainly when I worked two summers at Coca-Cola, they were not... I don't think we had seminars on my mental well-being or anything. I mean, everyone there was kind of mentally ill. You know, so I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like, well, what's my frame of reference here? I don't know. I, I, I hate to, to be one of those people who's like, oh, they're too coddled and spoiled and da-da-da, but... I mean, from what I recall from reading the article, this costs the employers or, or the, the job market in general something like billions of dollars in lost productivity, days out of work, and I don't know, because people are too upset yeah, and depressed two, and anxious. $210 billion oh annually. Oh, my God. And 32 days of lost productivity each year for every employee suffering from depression. Wow. That's amazing. I don't know. That, why. That's why I, I, I always like to greet my employees with a jostle and a big hug. Yeah, you're squeeze big on the that hugging. depression right out, of <laughs> right out of them. Squeeze it right out of them. I don't know. I guess uh, now, like with a lot of things, I do wonder: Are we just more aware of these things, or are they more prevalent? Like, I don't know if people in the nineteen, 19- yeah, I, I, you know, I'm. The, the male side of me and the female side of me are now pulling, you know, back and forth. I mean, the, the statistics are pretty insane. The, the prevalence of depressive systems spiked 39% amongst Generation Z employees, so ages 18 to 24. Millennials ages 25 to 34 fared a bit better at a rate of about 24% in those five years. That's that's some pretty substantial jumps and they're both increases. Which... Yeah, I know it's, it's an, it's an increase and you know, it's like this whole, you know, at the one at the one side of the one side of the coin is 
You know, it's like you spend an inordinate amount of your time at your job. And it's something that we in, incessantly talk about here on the working experience, how you're wasting your life. And, and then, you know, so then you want to have some sort of meaning, right? And happiness in your life. And if the majority of your time is spent at a job, ergo, you want some meaning and happiness to be derived from your job. And it doesn't seem like employer employers are delivering on that. So there it raises a bunch of questions like should employers be responsible for an employee's quote unquote happiness? Like obviously there shouldn't I think everyone's in agreement that there shouldn't be draconian work conditions, right? So working, you know, 18 hours a day in a factory in a coal mine. I mean, there are laws against it. So there are, there are child um, labor laws. Uh, there are, you know, overtime laws that, you know, if you work a lot, you're going to be compensated more. So people aren't taken advantage of. There obviously are unions, but unions have been depressed in the last couple of years and decades. But should an employer be responsible for... You know, and look, this is we're putting aside like very um, like clinical depression, like medication depression. Like, let's just put that aside, because obviously I'm not advocating for the fact that, you know, these people shouldn't be treated with some sort of, um, you know, medical, um, uh, you know, in the medical community. But in terms of just being happy, like how, like, how can you make someone happy at work? Well, I would have to answer your question with no, I don't think employ, I mean, should they be? I just don't think they can be. I mean, it it just doesn't, it doesn't work. I mean, I like, you know, you, you have, and, and again, we're talking about people who have careers as opposed to somebody who just needs a job you know, who just need, who needs to pay the rent and all of that, which again, this, these studies focus on people who I think, you know, maybe part of the chicken and the egg is you're focusing on people who maybe are somewhat entitled to begin with, you know, they're college graduates, whatever. And like, nobody's asking the Dunkin' Donuts worker, I I don't think about their mental well-being or are they depressed or anxious? I mean, they're just expected to show up and do a shift. And that's it. Right. I mean, if you took your average Dunkin' Donuts worker and threw them into a white collar job where they're making 40 grand a year and they've got to shoot out some emails, uh, attend some meetings, glad hand some managers, they would be so happy. Their, Their happiness would increase by a factor of 10. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe someone like it. I don't really know. But now, but, you know, it's like, you're responsible for your own fulfillment. I mean, if you go into a career and you don't like it, it this is reminiscent of uh, a uh, friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, Jim, was saying he knew this woman who, I don't know if he dated her or something like that, but he said she didn't like her job, she was depressed about it, and she was going to start taking Prozac. And it's oh. like, look, look. How, how old was she? I think this is when we were probably in our 20s. Maybe we'd reach 30. I don't know. But it's like, no, like, <laughs> no, you have to change. Well, you don't have to do anything you don't want to. If you want to work at a job and take Prozac to get you through the days, hey, this is America. You're more than entitled. But, you know, it's it's like this is up to you. Like, you can't expect to go to that job and have that job change to suit you. I mean, this is what you're tasked with. If you don't like it, I taught with a woman. I've mentioned this before. She worked in an insurance office for like two or three years. One of my coworkers right now, same thing. He he majored in business in college and went to work in an insurance office. And they both switched to teaching because they said it was awful. Like they just couldn't stand it. It was so boring. You didn't do it. You know, well, you just I, let me tell you, I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one, Maddie. Anytime I feel a tinge of depression, anxiety, anything's not going on, you know, correct or right in my life. I look for the pill. Pop a I'm pill. immediately on Google. How, what pill solves this? <laughs> what when pill? I went to that uh, insurance 
thing for our uh, carrier, uh, Harvard Pilgrim. I they asked, they said, did any does anybody have any questions? I raised my hand and said, do you have any Adderall like here now yeah, that right. I could take? Or yeah, do you have, I, do you have I'm an glad opiate? you guys are here and, and you just roll out like a shopping list of your ailments. <laughs> do you and you any, said, listen. Uh, uh, do you have any Oxycontin back there? Any, yeah. Anything like that? Yeah, because, you know, I, um, I I was getting out of my car and I, I kind of like stepped wrong, like not really right on my, my left foot. Um, so I think I need some Oxycontin I need, I need because Oxycontin. My, my hip is just, just not feeling right. Or And I also need something for my general depression. Uh, you know, I would say, honestly, this stuff is not linked to people's jobs. I think this is linked very much to smartphones. I mean, I, I I see that as being like OxyContin. Like this has been prescribed, you know, as in, in a, to throw in a, a somewhat related topic. Uh, recently, they arrested they being the federal government arrested some of the the CEOs of different pharmaceutical companies for basically acting like drug cartels. And they were bribing doctors and things like that. What I can't believe and what really offends me, and I think these doctors ought to be strung up by their testicles in public, is someone who goes to medical school to help people, takes the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm, then accepts money to prescribe highly addictive opiates to their patients without telling them, this is going to ruin your life. This has the potential to ruin your life. I mean, the CEOs in that case to me are just like the shark is going to eat the fish. That's what it does. I'm not saying they should get off scot-free. But in all these cases of bribery, I don't understand why they make such a huge deal of going after the briber and not the doctor or the senator or congressperson or whoever. Oh, it's who it's, takes it's, these it's bribes. All... It's it's all about money. I mean, well, yeah, of course, the, yeah. And then the doctors, you know, the doctors are bottom of the barrel. But like the the warning signs were all over the place. Like the and these these drugs, the oxycotton, um, you know, these these painkillers, they do have a place for people who have like a, abdominal surgery or bone, you know, bone surgery where the pain is is excruciating. Yeah, they need these pills. But they need to be monitored. Like the story's coming out, like like this small town in Florida with a population of you know twenty thousand people, where they were prescribing hundreds of thousands of pills. Like yeah. that didn't raise a red flag to anyone. No, nobody's like, hey, this doesn't make sense. Right, but but again, I go back to like the the head of the pharmaceutical company does not like. I don't owe him or her any trust. Like, there's not that kind of understanding. With a doctor, like, there's an understanding of trust that I can go to you and you will do the right thing by me. Now, if you just take Dr. Smith, who accepted $50,000 in a bribe and is then dealing or doling these drugs out, I mean, it's like, how do you go home and sleep at night? Like, I, the pharmaceutical person, I understand. They don't care, whatever. They never see these patients. To them, it's all numbers. It's all money, of course. But to this doctor, it's like, man, there is a special place in hell for people who do things like yeah, that. Yeah, but these these doctors are just writing. They're, they might not even be seeing these patients. They're just lending their signature to the well, to this. Yeah, to, but essentially they better know. To fraud. But they, they know what they're doing. I mean, they know the destruction. And again, you place your trust in these people. And it's like, you make enough money as a doctor. I'm not saying all doctors are millionaires, but like, come on. You're not making minimum wage. Like, give me a break. It just... So, but, you know, getting back to uh, to smartphones and technology, like, I, I think that's where the problem more lies. It's not in somebody's job. It's like... You know, we all have jobs. I mean, everybody, you know, has a job to go to. And there, there were not all these issues 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Like, I, I well, really think it is, well, it two, is this. Two, two points. First, ironically, this, uh, this Barron's article, the data was pulled from an app called Happify. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which... 
which um, examined almost half a million first-time users on the platform between December 2014 and January 2018. So that's ironic. And I, I agree with you on the on the smartphone point. Let me put, Just, let me throw, and let me I want to I want to come. Hold on. Get off your phone and the Happify app and get back to work, you bum. Maybe you oh, I, I downloaded I downloaded that Happify app to see if it could make me happy. <laughs> That's what I thought it, it was. Night. <laughs> you thought it was an app to make you happy. Here we go. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, and then then I was going to bring up a point where you now have. I, th- I believe it's the United States and New Zealand are the only two countries on the face of this earth where it's legal for uh, drug makers to advertise on TV. So you and we've all seen them. We've all seen these ridiculous ads where it's like, "Are you suffering from anxiety and depression? Well, Zingtoff will solve all your problems and there's someone running in the in the meadow you know <laughs> after a dog like yeah. everything's and people will go to their doctors and be like I want this that yeah. I have these symptoms give me this pill right and the doctors are getting pressure and the you know the sales reps are coming in for this pill like oh this really works blah 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 and then patients are asking for it it's approved. So, what's the doctor going to do? Say, "Hey, go read a book," or you know, "Why don't you go outside and run two miles? Why don't you get a little bit of exercise? Or why don't you get some more sleep? Why don't you eat better?" Or is he just going to he or she just going to prescribe the pill? Well, and now, I, now I think I'm not, a doctor you know, there should. is. Some... I think a doctor should say, "Go outside and run." And I mean. The thing is, this is not an earthquake or a tsunami. Like, people made this happen. Like, yes, you have doctors who are saying, take this pill, take this Oxycontin or whatever. And they could have said, no, look, this is bad, and I don't want you taking this. I mean, somebody somewhere, and I'm sure some doctors did do that. I'm sure many doctors would say, you know, to people, hey, look, I mean, this isn't going to solve your problem. This is what you need to do. But then there are doctors who are writing out mass prescriptions. And again, like people didn't get addicted by accident. Someone gave them this stuff. And for a do- again, for a doctor to do that to me is like, holy Jesus, like you got to be have some screwed up moral code there to do that. But Well, I, w- I want to know how the data was collected in the, the questionnaires that were delivered to the Happify users. For instance, <laughs> if you're if you're like a, a low-level insurance adjuster and they're asking they're pinging you, are you happy right now? I'm going to say a thousand times out of a thousand times the answer would be no. You know, rate how happy you are. A, a 2. You know, you're you're just staring at Excel spreadsheets and just looking at insurance claims all day well all right but then what do, what do people want i mean you have a job you work at it from nine to five you get paid a salary uh you know like what do, what do people want like and and the you know it can't be like i want to win the lottery and never work again because that's what everybody would say but like well then what do you want like okay you don't want to work at the insurance office then what i don't like this is where the idea of entitlement and like people expecting so much more it's like well okay you've got a job like you are able to pay your bills like what do you want i don't know like i don't know what they want you know again it it comes back to perspective right because this person in the insurance job has the freedom to quit right this is not you know this is not a uh a dictatorship where they have to work this this is not stalin right Right. They, they can they can leave if they want and they can find that they have freedom to do so yeah uh, but then you know they could be saddled with a mortgage with car payments with kids again know. you know I'm just I'm just painting a picture you could create a life that is just absolutely miserable right and it's not like it Maybe something's going on in your family life. Maybe there's something else that's going on that has nothing to do with work, but you're at your job and, you know, it spills over into work. Like your wife just 
completely destroys, you know, you're in an unhappy marriage and you go to work and you're miserable. Is it because of work? Is it because of the unhappy marriage? Is it a combination of both? Is it a cocktail? Is it a cocktail of unhappiness? Probably. Yeah, I, I would say it's probably not all the one thing. Although someone did say the other day that um, I'll keep this gender neutral. Their spouse comes home from work every day crying from, her jo- from, from the job. And it's like, okay. I think you tr- you tried to keep it gender neutral, but you dropped in a pronoun. Yeah, I know. Microaggression right there. Well, you said before, and I'm sorry I meant to leap on you about this, that the male and female side were pulling at you right there. That is completely inappropriate. And I want our listeners to know I do not endorse Wait, John's Why? sexist attitude. Um, what well, do you think, ta- what do you talk why is that sexist if i'm man I think enough you were, to say I, I have female tendencies because how is that sexist female tendencies tended to be the softer side is what i believe you were getting at and then the male side to it was more like oh go you know you're, you're just reinforcing yeah, what, stereotypes yeah. is what you're doing and you're offending our female listeners and probably no I, no so. i'm not i'm not so. reinforcing stereotypes if all the stereotypes <laughs> live within my body that's i'm not being sexist if they all live within myself okay yeah that's fine anyway let's there, okay let, there's, the, there's the there's the mothering aspect and then there's the fathering ah, aspect. see there we go again there we go again jesus <laughs> christ yeah see that well you're not you haven't been through these cultural proficiency seminars the way i have so. <laughs> clearly i have clearly not. you have not so we'll i'm sorry folks we'll we'll have a whole podcast where we try to enlighten john out of his neanderthal views on men and women anyway impossible <laughs> impossible yeah um yes it can be a whole host of things and often it is but when someone's coming home crying from their jogs they hate it so much and these are again i'm not talking about and this is kind of the bs part of this is like a, a lot of the workforce is probably not asked these questions they wouldn't really know how to respond to them like am i happy at work i do my shift and i go home i get paid you know i put food on the table and you know pay the rent like what do you mean am i happy and these people it's like i i just think that maybe they have these expectations of work that are unrealistic like your job doesn't necessarily exist to fulfill all of your spiritual needs it's work like that's what it is and you know uh, hopefully it does i mean maybe it does And, and some people do find that they find you know, that they can get spiritual fulfillment through their job and they can get their other needs met. Um, but uh, you got to go do something like, yeah, I think you have to be proactive in your happiness. Like you can't go to work and just expect them to make you happy. It's like, OK, All right, well, well, let's let's take. Oh, sorry. Cut you off. Go ahead. No, no. God, I was done. Um, so let's take happiness. Like, let's leave aside the term depression. OK. Do you think that happiness is a decision that you make that you're happy, therefore you're happy, or do you think it's determined by your external circumstances? Well, I don't. I think it's a mixture of both. I mean, there are some people who are in in really rough circumstances, but they have their family around them, or they have things that they do. Uh, but well, I guess that's the point. Like. I think it is more of a, I don't know if I would say choice, but it's more of an, you have to put effort into it, you know, which sounds kind of odd, but, um, I think if you, if you do things like, you know, you work at a job that you don't really like, okay, you know, well, after work, maybe you go volunteer or you run or you have a hobby that you do, you know, and, and that makes you feel good. And it's like, okay, you're not going to be happy all the time. That's probably a little unrealistic, but eh, maybe some people are. So to answer your question, I don't think it's a clear-cut choice. I think certainly some circumstances. But there are some people who are going to be unhappy regardless of their circumstances. That's just the way they are. And there are some people who go through really rough things, and they're, they're pretty happy. They deal with them, and, you know, so... I'd well, say I attitude. think if you're, 
I mean, if th- I think if you're happy all the time, like ecstatically happy all the time, you would lose your mind. You're probably on Oxycontin or <laughs> pills. Or <something. laughs> probably but what but that that's with, with life. It's not. No, no, it's I the know, ups yeah. and downs. Yeah. It's not just all this rosy picture, nor I think would you really want that. Like, no. w- what's good about having, like, let's say... Um, what makes you really, ha- what makes Maddie Kay really, really happy is a nice big bowl of ice cream <laughs> with, with some whipped cream yep. and a cherry on top, right? Hot fudge, hot fudge. Let's say that you, you love that brings back childhood memories yep. of mommy putting a little plate in your lap. Sure. And you sitting down and eating that ice cream bowl and licking all the, the last remnants up, right? Can we all can we all paint that picture? This Absolutely. Is, Maddie Kay loves the ice cream. Yeah. Now I tell you, oh, you love ice cream so much, Maddie. You're gonna have to eat ice cream every single time you eat. Yeah. That's all you're gonna eat. Just a bowl of ice cream. You would hate that ice cream with a right. passion. You would hate it. So what made you happy would make you miserable. Well, and there's also, it's like, if you don't get the bowl of ice cream, your whole world shouldn't fall apart. You know, if it's like, oh, we're out of ice cream or whatever it is, you know, it's like, okay, I, you know, couldn't, couldn't go skiing on a weekend. This happened to me. The whole weekend blew up. It, I drove up Saturday. The weather was wonderful. I'm, I'm, sh- I'm shedding a tear for you. Exactly. And I was kind of pissed on Sunday because it rained and they closed the area, and I should have gone up on Friday, but I didn't. But, you know, okay, I was pissed on Friday. I wasn't too happy on Monday. The weekend was kind of a bust. But, you know, that that was that. That was life. There are people who seriously, seriously, and, and some people we know personally, if a football team loses, they go into a depression. Oh, yeah. And those and look, are things, look at me. Look at me. I'm, right. I'm one small event from completely breaking down. Well, usually if, with you, you lost about five grand on the game. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're figuring out how you're gonna break this one to the family, or or, or hide it somehow. Or that's yeah, the I'm anxiety. I'm hiding it. I'm I'm moving things around. You're calling but the like, financial advisor, telling him to move yeah, stuff. <laughs> the 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 the, um, the train is delayed. You know, uh, throwing in the towel. Well, I get a people, bad meeting. I'm I'm crying in my uh, hands. Well, well, some people really wrap themselves up, and and oftentimes, it, talking about professional sports, made me think of it. Like they really wrap themselves up in things they have no control over, and do not participate in at all, and they'll just get into a, a complete tizzy when the Red Sox lose or the Bruins lose or you know fill in the blank. It's like, okay, I can see enjoying sports and all of that and, and wanting to watch a good game and rooting for the home team. And, all. you know, I get it. People have connections to that through their parents and so forth. But, like, you know, there's got to be stuff in your life that makes you happy that you control. Like, you go for a hike, you do a crossword puzzle, you write, you you know, you do something that... Um, I forget who said it, but it was, uh, maybe it was Dr. George Sheehan. He's, he's the guy who writes a lot about running and, and he kind of turned my thinking around about professional sports and all of that. Cause he was like, you know, your life comes with the things that you do that you don't have to do like running or playing sports or whatever it is like that. That's life. Like going to the beach and swimming and you know, all of that. Now, if you can do that for your work. That, that's great, you know, wonderful. But, you know, most people can't quite swing that. That's okay. So, you know, it's, again, like, uh, sometimes I feel like people get involved in that stuff, like just sports and all that, to kind of ignore what's going on in their life. And, you know, I mean, like, professional sports and talking incessantly about it and obsessing well, there, over it. Well, there are levels to yes. that. Yes. You, yes. you know, it's it's not all fanatics, but I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, like I can't control if the, you know, it's neat if the Red Sox are in the World Series. That's kind of a neat thing. So I live in Boston and it's like, oh, nice. You know, the Bruins are in the playoffs right now. Well, I'll watch part of a game or something. But, you know, to like wrap my whole sense of well-being up in that, like, 
you know, I, it's just like I can't control any of that. So again, you know, sometimes, it, sometimes I think that substitutes for people actually doing something. Like go play in a flag football league or something, or go play in a basketball league, or do you know something like that? Yeah, I mean there are degrees. I mean life is all about uh, degrees and perspective. But but getting back to the article, um, some of the points that they you know the article raised that maybe the reason behind this increased anxiety and depression was the fact that you know, technology is created around the clock. Connectiveness and demands, uh, making it difficult to separate uh, work from your personal life and have true downtime. Yeah. And also, um, you know, they also talk about the the economic recession uh, when uh, job prospects were slim back in 2008. Um, there's some experts believe that they're still feeling the effects of that, that aftershock. Yeah, I mean, all that is is very valid. Um, yeah, people do have a lot more access, and that's, you know, that that's hard to tell your your boss, your clients, or whoever. Like, hey, I'm not going to answer email after five o'clock. Like, a lot of times, it's not going to fly, and it's tough. And again, that's that's technology. Um, and I'm not going to say like, you know, technology has a lot of great benefits and all of that, but you know, if I don't know, it's sort of like I don't want to tell people to have low expectations, but I think people are having too many expectations from their job or their career. And it's like, no, that's not going to make you happy. So stop expecting it to. you got to yeah, go do I something. Would say, I would definitely say lower ec- your expectations. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, in all seriousness, like, don't go into a job thinking that this is going to solve all my problems and make me happy. and Because it's probably yeah, no not, matter, you know. No matter what the a recruiter tells you, an HR person, or a company slogan that, you know, this, it's like we work, we love, we work together, we're family. That's yeah. all a bunch of crap. Yeah. yeah, right. And that's the thing. That's, you know, and we also haven't even mentioned kids. Like a lot of people get their fulfillment through their kids. They'll work hard 40, 50 hours a week to get their kids what they need and they take a lot of pride in that and they get to spend time with their kids on the weekends and and that's wonderful i mean that's great so again when somebody is spending all their time at work and ignoring their family it's like guy what or lady what's the deal man <laughs> that, that's that's me i'm, yeah. I'm always trying to avoid my kids duck yeah, out hiding. of my fatherly duties yeah hiding in your job you're hey how about this you asked um how to make employees happy how about this? They show up. Everybody gather around. Give me an H. Give me an A. Give me a P. Give me a P. Why? Because we're happy. How about that? Oh, that's that's going to raise company <laughs> morale to the stratosphere. I, mean, the, um, but, I really should have been an HR we, person, you know. Oh, you should. You, yeah, you missed calling. your calling. <laughs> But we, we've spoken about this before with workism and how work is now the new religion because yeah. people are just not going to church. So but it's a false God. work has become, yeah, it's become this spiritual connection and, and you're looking at, happen. you're looking in the wrong place. Like well, you, you yeah. have to, you have to start, you have to start like nobody wants to start. Like, look in the mirror. Start with yourself. Ask the tough questions. Ooh. Maybe you're in the wrong job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Matt's not big on that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> but but you have you you have to level with yourself. Like yeah. you have to you have to ask the right. You have to ask the hard questions. You got to be honest with yourself. Yeah. Like maybe you you know. It's maybe it, you know you should uh, should quit your like you. Um, spoke about with your friends they quit their corporate jobs and became teachers maybe they you know i'm sure they weren't making as much but they were happier you know and i, th- I think as like a society what you're told to value is the bigger houses the bigger cars uh the bigger paycheck but 
when in fact the things that really matter and the really we derive happiness from, not that they make us happy, but we derive happiness from, are family, friends, connection, uh, free time, uh, the ability to decide what you want to do, flexibility, freedom, love. Yeah, I think stuff, stuff that doesn't sell waffle makers. Well, and some people do feel trapped, like they don't have a choice. And, you know, and some people that for some people that is a reality. But I think for other people, they've kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to make a change. I mean, you have a job and you're securing it and, you know, you're, you're making a decent amount of money and you're not really happy, you know. Uh, but again, like I get back to I, I think people are having very unrealistic expectations of the happiness they're going to get from their job. I mean, words I would use would be fulfillment, you know, things like that. Like, and if you're not fulfilled by your job, okay. I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's just like, stop expecting that from the job. You know, that's not really the, to me, and I'm no corporate boost or anything like that, but that's not their role. Like I would not be looking, you know, to like, somebody to to a job to make me happy like i go there and i well, get paid. i mean like like look let's let's uh let's turn the tables and let's look at both of us oh, okay like uh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hold it right there stop the podcast much happier judging other people <laughs> but, um, okay course. i'll bite i'll play always always I'll play. on your soapbox yep but like for me right i I happen to love what I do. I, I really like uh, what I do, what I create as a job, but I am not, I'm not crazy happy, smiley, jumping around, pom-pom all the time. There are days that are not fun. Yes. There, are, there are travel days. There are days on set. There are dealing with clients. It's all not rosy, but overall... I'm happy at what I do. Which, so there's a difference of like, I don't go in each day and be like, make me happy. Like, right. I don't demand, ha- you know, so, so that's, that's my two cents. What about you, Matt? Are you, I can't, I can't ask you if you're happy because I know you're a miserable old man. <laughs> but do you enjoy, are, do you enjoy what you do? I enjoy teaching. Yes, I do get a lot out of it. I can be creative do projects with them. As you say, some days are very aggravating, like trying to get kids to get off their phones and, you know, something's due and five of them turn it in out of 30 kids. And I'm like, what did I not say this? Like, it can get frustrating. But then <laughs> uh, I I have, you know, days I really enjoy it. You know, I see the kids, talk to them. And, you know, it's a very good atmosphere. Like, I enjoy going in. I always go with a positive attitude and you know we're gonna do something good and and sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't sometimes a project falls apart you know but i i can't control them you know they're 16 17 18 years old like i can't control the attitude of a kid coming in yeah i just have to kind of deal with it and you know you got to realize that over a period of time that they're kids and stop expecting them to do everything you want them to do because that's not going to happen but I will say in addition you know I do the short film and um, you know I write so I also need that like I need to do things outside of my job and even that like doing the short film we've been rejected from let's see we submitted to 20 festivals we've been rejected from two and haven't heard from the other 18 and it is a possibility we're going to go 0 for 20 but I'm already writing hey, rejected ne- rejected from two is not bad. No, what we haven't heard from the other ones yet. Um, so it's a possibility. And you know what? I'll just make another one. I really enjoy it. Now, being on uh, I'm set, sh- I'm sure the producer on your your film has heard from all of them. And, he just and they're all they're, it's all rejected and they're going to dole it out to you so you don't lose your shit. Exactly. Exactly. Now, it would make me a lot happier if we got into some festivals. If we don't, we're still going to do another one, you know. And and again, like doing this podcast, we don't have to do this podcast. And but that that's kind of my point is like even doing that short 
it was stressful. And there were parts of it I did not enjoy. Like, it would get to be, like, trying to get things lined up and trying to arrange a caterer and trying to do all this. You know, it gets to be very stressful. And, like, again, I have to remind myself, I don't have to do any of this. You know, I don't have to do... No one's waiting for me to make a short film. So, I guess I would throw that in. Now, not everybody has the luxury I do. I'm in a position where I can pay for these things and and all of that. So, but I, I need that outside thing. You know, I need to do something else that is not really... Well, I kind of see it related to my job. I mean, I teach English. We read, we write. I do that on my own. So, I'm, I'm glad I have that. Like, I'm not working in an insurance office... And then doing short films, which I, I guess I would have to, you know, because just to keep my own sanity. But there's a lot of people who don't do those things. You know, they just work and they then, uh, you know, do whatever it is they do. And But I guess that to be happy, it's like I think you have to have something that you do that's for you, that you have control over, that you go to the gym, you play in a basketball league, you do volunteer work. I think that's yeah, and a it real could, it key could be a, It could be anything. It could, hey, listen, it could be a hobby, it could if be working you, out. If you are feeling, not you, but anybody in our listening audience, all four of them, uh, if you're <laughs> ever feeling badly about yourself, go do some volunteer work or feeling sorry for yourself. If you're ever feeling sorry for yourself, go do some volunteer work, especially like with homeless people, because that is a very good kick in the ass to be like, you know what? Stop whining. Like... Some people really have yeah, it bad. You, yeah, you don't have it. Yeah, you don't have it that bad. No, it's it's a good it's a good point, and it actually makes you feel better. Yeah, makes you feel better about your current situation, and it also you also get a dopamine hit because you're giving. Right, or go tutor, or or you know even better if you have a talent, use that talent to like help, like Drew Ackerman, who uh, dearest Scooter. He is now going back to where he worked to teach at-risk juveniles about podcasting, volunteering. That's oh, the, wow. That's yeah, awesome. That's a wonderful thing. And uh, I haven't volunteered in a while. I was doing it somewhat last year. But, uh, yeah, if you're ever, you know, I remember my roommate, Chris, his girlfriend, was kind of in the dumps. She was working locations on jobs and things. That's a rough job. And she was really kind of feeling down. And he, he brought her out to do some volunteer work. And not to like shove her face in it, but just to kind of, you know, it's a good perspective giver to be like, all right, you know, there but for the grace of God kind of thing. But, you know, you got to you gotta sort of participate in your own life. You know, if you're only going to work and doing what somebody else tells you to do all the time, yeah, that would get depressing. And, you know. And, and change, if you want to make a change, I think it's also important to realize that doesn't happen overnight. Like, you got to work at it. you got to, you know, do things. The, the guy who created Dilbert, the comic strip, he used to get up. He worked some, you know, he worked the job that Dilbert works. Like, he that's <laughs> what he does, what he did. And he would get up at four in the morning and write the comic strip. And, like, John Grisham was a lawyer, was a practicing lawyer. When he was first writing and he would like make notes while he was waiting for cases to be heard. And, you know, and, and he said like it helped, like it just helped that that sort of hope that maybe your book will get published or, you know, maybe something yeah, will happen, I, you know. Yeah, make, you make a plan. Like if you're 22 years old and you're miserable in your job right now, oh, just yeah, come on. sit down <laughs> yeah. and. and and, you know, be aware of the fact that you're miserable and then make a plan. Like, what do you what do you want to do? What do you want to be? Do you want to be a writer? Do you want to be a filmmaker? Do you want to, you know, work somewhere else? You're yeah. young. You have so much time. Or, Just make a plan and and persevere. Like it's not going to like Matt said, it's not going to happen overnight. Like just script it. out. If it's going to take, you know, a year, then take the first step tonight. By writing it out or write out your goals, what you want to do. Mine, um, I did that when I was 23 and um, I came up with lunch and then that was about it. That was, that was my goal for the day. <laughs> did, did you, did you achieve that I did. goal yeah, I got when lunch. you were 20? 
And then that's a, that's about all I, about setting the bar low, low yeah, expectations. I couldn't think of anything else to be quite frank with you at the time. <laughs> yeah, you could make those changes, or you could go out with the boys, get a bunch of drinks on, and then snort a few lines of coke, and then uh, you'll feel better and feel and feel great. You'll feel great. I mean, I mean, really feel great for a couple of hours. Yeah, but then you'll come down so hard. Yep. That if you were at a depression level of about a two, you're going to sink down to about a negative eight. <laughs> well, what you do is you have to work longer hours to make more money to do more cocaine so you can work longer hours to make more money. It's a good cycle. It's a good groove to get into, you know. It's a, it's a page out of my life story right there. And then you'll probably drop out of a heart attack at around eh, 48, 49, something but, like that. But you, but you lived. <laughs> you, you redlined that bad boy. You redlined your life. All right, everybody. Um, we've taught you how to be happy. There you go. Done. Job done. Right? I think, I think right. we've, we've come up with a solution <laughs> on, on the, the working experience. We, cra- yeah, we cracked the code. All those self-help books, all that jet. No, no, no. We just nailed it in about, oh, under 50 minutes. Bang. Done. Spike the ball. Move well, on. We, we, You know, we should be charging for This is like a therapy session. I know. I know. Jeez. Just giving away for free. But that's us. This should be like should be like 400 bucks an hour. We'll talk about volunteer work. Here we go. This is volunteer work. We're giving it away this is for definitely, free. This definitely falls under volunteer work. Can I, I was going to write this off on my taxes, $400 an hour, you know, if we do it over the course, that's, that's a pretty good amount of money I could write off, right? <laughs> I, I believe the, uh, I believe the U.S. government, specifically the IRS, would designate this as a hobby. <laughs> a hobby? <laughs> it's a vocation. A hobby? Well, apparently they have not listened to the podcast, so... Uh, anybody Clearly. out there with the IRS and you got your ears on, you're probably very depressed about your job as well. So here you go. We've helped you. Um, all right, everybody. So, you know, don't quit your job tomorrow, but find something productive to do. And, um, uh, you know, don't turn to to the opioids and all of that, despite all our joking. Just, you know, try to find organic happiness. Okay, everyone, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Working Experience. All right, buddy, thanks a lot. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.